1: Are you looking for a designer to help you with your next product or startup? When I'm not working on the show, I'm busy working as an award-winning chief design officer and have been doing software design for startups and other companies for over 20 years. I'm also a published author and recently sold a startup to a multi-billion dollar company. For more information, visit KevinHorek.com. That is K-E-V-I-N-H-O-R-E-K dot com. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have Matthew Celia. He's a co-founder and creative director at LightSail VR. Matthew, welcome to the show.
0: Hi. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing at LightSail VR is actually really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure. So, um,
0: you know, I was actually born in Pasadena. Oh, um cool. And uh, so I have like strong ties here to California, but I grew up on the East Coast
1: okay, I back
0: there when I was really, really little and my dad, you know, was trying to make it in theater as an actor uh, okay. in New York City. And I just, you know, I remember from an early age, like when I was six, I just like I wanted to be like my dad, I wanted to be an actor we would sure. trek into the city and we go on auditions. And, you know, throughout my whole time growing up, I very much have always really been into the arts and into theater and into telling stories um, in, that, in that kind of space and in that way. And um, when it came time to go to college, most people thought I'd head back to New York and like go to like NYU. And I, I was like, no, I want to make movies. So I came out very to cool. California and I went to, I went to Chapman University because it was so hands-on, and I loved that. Like, it was it was a you know I'm a real like get in and get to wrong quick kind of person. Got you. I love just experimenting and and trying it out and and doing the physical work myself. Like I remember the first time I cut actual film with a razor blade and tape. Yeah. yeah. And it was the most fun I've ever had. Like it was so just amazingly fulfilling. Right. Yeah. So Chapman has just one of the most incredible film programs for undergrad because they give you a camera on like day one and they're like, go make stuff.
1: That's
0: and awesome. that's where I met my business partner, Robert Watts. Okay. Um, Cause we were both at Chapman and we kind of like hung out. I remember helping him film his first like Indiana Jones, like spinoff, you know, freshman sure. year. It was super fun. Um, but, you know, after I, after I graduated and I got into the industry, for me, I actually kind of felt a little lost um, creatively because I think that I was having a difficult time marrying um, where the industry was with filmmaking, with where my heart was that really was stemmed from this love of theater, right? Interesting. And this, this sense of place that you get with, with, uh, with you know, working with theater actors and, and, and creating a world under imaginary circumstances, right? And this kind of world building was something that was like really deep in my core. Um, It wasn't until, so I bounced around a lot, you know, I did like a bunch of odd jobs and I worked, uh, you know, as like a director and as a producer and like, uh, you know, just doing anything I could right to pay the bills. I worked in a commercial production company for a while, but as an artist and as a creative person, I felt lost until Robert and I reconnected and he said, you know, This is in 2015, by the way. He said, I think virtual reality is gonna be a big, big, cool thing. And he lent me his like cardboard headset, which is like cheap plastic thing you got off Amazon for like 20 bucks and you put your phone in and like the 3D looked terrible and like the resolution (laughs) was awful. But like, I remember watching some of the first stuff that Chris Milk was doing with, uh, at that time his company was called Verse. um, And being just entranced because I saw the passion that I had for theater and the creation of a world coming to filmmaking, which I also had a huge passion for. And for the first time, I, as an artist was like, I have something to say and I have a vision for what I think the content and the future of entertainment in virtual reality should be. And so you know, I went to VRLA and I watched a bunch of stuff and I talked to a whole bunch of people. And and for me, I wasn't seeing kind of the storytelling and like the character development and like that theatrical kind of input in the industry yet. Sure. And that's where Rob and I, I called him up. I remember so vividly. I was like, dude, let's get a camera. I'll, I'll uh, take out a loan on some credit cards and we will just like figure this out. So that's what we we did we um we got a camera we started messing around posting up to facebook and pretty soon people started calling us just like out of the blue being like hey you guys do vr hey you guys do vr and uh and that was the birth of light Sale and and me as a as a creative director
1: no that's awesome man no yeah that that's actually quite interesting because uh, I was obviously kind of checking out some of the video and, and stuff that you guys have done and, and the VR projects that you've done. And they're actually really, really like, you're right. They're, they're, they're like kind of like a little movie, right? And, and with, with kind of like that music video you guys did recently where you're, you're moving in kind of like different stage props, like pulls in that theater side, mm-hmm. which, which is actually really like makes total sense just on the story you kind of just told us. So, obviously, you guys have been in VR for, for a number of years now. How has your company, kind of Light sale kind of evolved over the last few years, and what did you guys kind of start off doing, and, and what are you doing now? Is it similar? Is it different? Is it a bit of both? Or, or walk us through kind of that journey.
0: Yeah, you know, the industry of virtual reality has really changed um, and, and grown and evolved, and And it means a lot of different things. And I think what a lot of people don't understand right away is that virtual reality is just a delivery vehicle, right? Right. You can't really say like, this is VR, this is not VR. It's like, if you put a headset on your face, you're in VR. It doesn't matter if you're watching Netflix and you're watching a 2D cinema, you're still in VR, you know, because it really is just, it's like television or the cinema. It's a delivery vehicle. Where I think things get really interesting and where there's a lot of like you know exploration is, well, what kind of content can we create in VR that is unique to this space and Uh takes everything that that you can't do in any other medium and brings it to life, right? Yeah. So when we when we first started, we started with 360 video. Okay. And um, a lot of this video was consumed on cell phones or on a web browser. And I don't think that that is VR. However, when you put it on your face in a headset, it is transportive, you know? Yeah. You turn your head and that that little basic interactivity, which people sometimes I think discount that as being interactivity, but it is. Because you as an audience, you're choosing where to look. And as a director, I have to try to get you to look where I want you to look through the use of a lot of like psychology and, and, and gentle guidance um, and, and clever ways that I block and put together the scene, just in the same way that theater productions are doing that right now, especially immersive theater productions, you know? Um, is they are getting, they are playing with the human mind and the human emotion to create a reality under these imaginary circumstances. That's a phrase I use a lot because it comes from the acting training my dad imparted to me from like the Stanislavski and the method, right? You know, it's all about creating this world. So, you know, we started with 360 video. Um, And that was really good during the boom years because everybody wanted to do it. Every ad agency wanted to do it. Every movie studio wanted to do it. They wanted like the 360 video, this 360 video that. And there was a bunch of hype and a bunch of terrible projects that were greenlit and done (laughs) with bad cameras, with bad direction, like things that didn't answer that question. Why is this in VR? Why are we doing this in 360? What is the point? Right.
1: Fair. I I think that's part of the problem, right, is sometimes a medium gets a bad rap because people put everything in that medium. And you're like, well, if it doesn't make sense in that medium, why would you put it there just because that medium's popular right now? Right. Like it almost. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. If it's not made better, then don't do it. Right. Like like there's a lot of stories that we've pitched on that I think, you know, would have been better in 2D. And I always try to add something extra to that that I'm like, well, what's our point of view? What's our perspective? Why is this going to hit you harder because we are watching it in a headset than, than if we we're watching it just like, you know, on a, on a cell phone, That's right? True. Yeah. It's really, really important. I think to that effect is kind of what, um, what we started to experiment around was like intersecting live action, which is something, you know, Robert and I coming from Hollywood know how to do really well with game engine interactivity. Um, And a few years back, we released this project called Speak of the Devil, which is like, I would still consider it like a beta. It's a real testing ground for us where we were trying to build a choose-your-own-adventure-style narrative that felt authentic to the VR space. Um, And that was a big project for us because I think it started to get people's attention in new and different ways because up until that point most people thought of a choosing an adventure as your traditional branching narrative right it's a tree you have point a point b and then it's a linear forward experience and the way we built speak the devil was an open world exploration concept we just drop you into a forest and you can go anywhere you want you can go forward and go backwards you can return to the same scene you can watch that scene um from a different angle you know like and and it, it the logic engine we created for that knows where you are knows what you've seen knows who you've met what the where you are in the story arc right interesting to try to give you you know without filming a million different endings right you can have still a million different playthroughs
1: right um, interesting I,
0: and I think that was super. That was super interesting. And that was something that really felt authentic to me creatively, because it felt like immersive theater, but in virtual reality, right?
1: Yeah. No that that makes sense. And and part of me also thinks, um, almost just going back to kind of that that music video concept. Like, I'm I'm surprised more and more content or shows or, or movies even aren't filmed like that, right? Because nothing. Mm-hmm is cooler to me than kind of actually being inside the show or the concert or the movie, than you know watching it kind of on your TV. And I, I and I know all the kind of stereotype stuff. I think with um, VR headsets, like you start seeing people wearing on planes now. They're they're so much more common mm-hmm. and they're so much more affordable now that I think a lot of content could be you know, moved into VR. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts around that? I,
0: I completely agree with that. I think, you know, what ended up happening at the tail end of like 20, like in 2018, right. Is um, like a lot of the companies that were financed with venture capitalist money yeah. kind of went belly up because yeah. they really weren't able to, to make a profit in like two years, which is insane, right? You're inventing a brand new medium, right. And a brand new way of storytelling to create a whole brand new audience. And you expect to do that in like two years? Like it took 30 years for people to start going to the cinema, you know? Yeah, interesting. So it was a bit premature for people I think to pull out a lot of their investment. But what that left was this kind of like, ah, 360 videos dead, no one's doing it, it's not cool. And I think that that, that hype talk is premature because I think it is still cool. I still think that there's something that can't yet be replicated with live action and live video in a game engine. Um, but I also think that we're now starting to see like some of the interactivity that we were playing around with start to come to light, you know, um, with, with unique and different experiences to take advantage of the fact that, you know, in VR, like I know where you're looking, right. Yeah. So I can use some of that data to, to change things and load things dynamically. And I, can, I have so much more data I can collect to drive a narrative experience. And I think that's really very exciting work that's going on. So I think that there is you know, going to be a renaissance of 360 video for headset viewers because headsets, as you said, are getting more popular and uh, way more affordable. And you know after a couple rounds of beat saber you may want to sit down and you just may want to watch something like you just may want to like go on a go on a nat geo experience and like see or see the world from space you know and that's best done i think in live action
1: No no i 100% agree i, I the other thing that i want your thoughts on that i find really useful is my kids really like um i, I guess like The learning experiences where you're like swimming around with like a virtual dolphin or under the ocean or or Mm. something like that. I found that stuff to kind of, I think that's another area that VR could could do really well or, or people could create more content around. Do you agree with that or what are your thoughts around it for being kind of more educational as well?
0: Oh, I think it's a huge market for that. And like that's what I kind of was saying at the top of VR is just a medium, right? Right. Okay. Like what we can do in it is so vast. Sure. Um most of our most of our work, you know, we we still do a lot of the commercial entertainment stuff, but we've done a lot of training recently. Right. You know? Um, for companies who can clearly see the ROI. And part of that is education, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And um, you know, I I still I don't think would put like young kids into VR because I don't think that the optics and the 3d is necessarily like really good for their eyes. I know me personally, like I dream in frame lag
1: sometimes
0: (laughs) because I spent too much time in a VR headset with an underpowered computer, you know, that's like dropping frames. Um, But like, there's no better way to learn something than by doing it and seeing it. And, And if that's going to connect people um i think it's great like let me give you an example there's a there's a company in florida we collaborated on a project with and you know they film and and do a bunch of stuff with the coral reefs in florida you know and they're trying to educate people on what's happening with the coral reefs there how global climate change is 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 a big issue for this ecosystem now there's a large section of people in the middle of the country who've probably never seen an ocean before
1: yeah you know
0: how How do you get those people to empathize and understand and learn and care if they've never seen it? And, and that's the power of virtual reality is, well, now we can take you there and you have, you know, the choice to look around or in the case of, you know, like the dolphin piece that you mentioned, you can interact with it, you know, you can swim with it. You can, you can literally go places. and It really tricks your mind. It really does. In, a, in just an incredible way.
1: No, very so I think
0: cool. that is absolutely exciting.
1: No, I, I 100% agree with you. Do you guys do anything in the augmented reality space?
0: You know, we're dabbling in the augmented reality space just okay. because it's 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 hot. And, like, everyone, like, we get, like, probably a phone call every couple of weeks, like, you guys do AR, right? And, and, you know, we can in the same way that, like, because it's a spatial medium of storytelling, it falls under that XR umbrella. Like we feel like we're really well suited for that because we really understand at LightSail what good spatial storytelling is, how to get your audience really engaged emotionally by building a world. With AR, you're building less of the world, I think, and you're building more characters and you're putting those characters in your real world, which is a little tougher for me entertainment wise because I'm more of an escapism fan yeah, you know, I'm like I'm in like Back to the Future and like that kind of those kind of films. You know, like I like sure. to go on adventures, um, but I see a real strong value in AR for for training and for information. But I also think that technologically, it's uh, it's farther away, I think, than most people realize. Like,
1: what do you mean by that, and why do you say that?
0: Well, most people refer to AR now as phone-based AR.
1: Uh, Which to
0: me isn't really AR. It's a magic window, the same way as 360 video isn't really VR, right? Yeah. And it's exhausting to hold your phone up the whole time. Not to mention, like, I always feel like I'm going to drop my phone as I do.
1: Well, I think you try it like Um, a handful of times or less, and then you never try it again in a lot of cases.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And the headsets themselves, like Magic Leap and Hololens, are really getting good. But their field of view is still very small, and it's not like the marketing that they make it play. So
1: yeah, interesting. Agre- I agree. I'm with you. very okay. excited. Yeah. No. Okay. No. Very cool. So f- for people that maybe haven't tried VR, and what do you kind of tell them, or, or is there a good way that they could easily try it with maybe? spending a lot of money or th- is there good places to go to actually get a, a decent uh vr experience these days
0: you know i think the big buzzword in the industry is lbe for location-based yeah. entertainment i think that this is like where a lot of people are seeing some revenue which is great right because sure. you need revenue in order to grow a industry But you know it is still on the pricier side. Like I think Dreamscape Immersive in LA is like twenty dollars, and it's like a fifteen minute experience. And I think um, uh, like The Void is like thirty five dollars, and that's like a maybe like a it's like a twenty minute experience. You know, Um, both of those are great examples of really high end virtual reality. Okay, you know it's like the cinema of virtual reality because they have you know 4D tracking and haptics and all these things that you can't really build at home. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair You enough.
0: know, I think that was one of the reasons that like IMAX VR didn't do very well is like what they were playing in their theater was everything I already had on my home VR system. And if I could afford to spend a dollar a minute, which is what the pricing really comes down to, then I probably can afford an, an Oculus Rift or a, right. or a Vive, you know, and just do it at home whenever I want as often as I want. My suggestion for people who are interested in VR is to, um, to go to like a real LBE place like The Void or Dreamscape Immersive to get the best experience. Okay. And then look for friends who have it, you know, um, and try it and, and try. Like, I think what sometimes people don't understand is your, your VR headset is very unique to you. Uh, and that is a struggle with like these location-based places where they kind of have to go for the lowest common denominator, right? And they have to like build it kind of for everybody. Okay. Like, you don't really get in there and you can't like it really fit it very well and adjust your focal length because we are, all of our eyes are different widths apart. All of our heads are different sizes. We all have, some of us wear glasses some of those don't. When you can get a VR headset and invest in one yourself, like you can really make it yours. And ah, so okay. if you even think that you want to just try it, try, try and look like an Oculus go, you know, I think they were $150 on Amazon prime day. Right. That is really affordable. And that gives you, um, you know, a three off. you know, not full room scale VR, but it, it's definitely still trans transformative and can transport you there. Um, my headset of choice is obviously the Oculus quest. I think that is, um, and it's gonna sell real well because it is just an, an unbelievable product. It it's like full wireless VR. Um yeah, that's cool. Easy to set up and use and looks great. So I would just try it. I would I would advise people to get into it and and see what's cool. And obviously, if you're a gamer, I think it's gonna be more exciting right now, but there's a lot of immersive exploratory, cinematic, and social content. And that's actually kind of cool because you know, I'm part of this XR social club, which okay. is a Facebook group. And we meet up every Wednesday night in rec room or in other social platforms. And we just, we just chat, you know, like, you know, we just chat. I made uh, I made ice cream cones for everybody, you know, in okay. VR. And we just all like, I just like pretending to eat ice cream cones and sitting around this like pretend virtual campfire and just talking about our days. And then we can all jump into like a game of paintball or a game of like uh, um, capture the flag. And so, like, social VR is also something I think that is really exciting for people to get into.
1: Okay, so just to be clear, the the social VR, the group you were talking about, like, you guys were each in your own homes or houses, right? And, like, spread out across the globe, like, you didn't physically meet anywhere. I just want to be clear on that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um no, we all we we do it like 8:30 p.m. every Wednesday. Um I do it from my living room. You know, I get my kids to bed and then sure. uh pop on the headset and um some of us are in New York, some of us excuse me, are in Dallas. Um so a lot of us here, you know, are here in LA, but we all like to meet together via the power of the web. It's really like the metaverse. Like that is it's like it's like the first beginnings of Ready Player 1.
1: Yeah. No, that's it's it, that's cool because I like the, the thing that I love about the internet is, well, right now you and I are in two different countries, but it doesn't really matter, right? And there, right. as we get more and more of these experiences and a headset or, or whatever it ends up being down the line, there'll probably be many of these things, the fact that you basically can hang out without physically hanging out is is really cool with people kind of all over the world right and then like you said you can do these different things together you can start playing games you can start just having a conversation and kind of everything in between
0: yep like we could create a talk show format in like rec room like a private rec room and uh and then you can videotape it and you can create a virtual reality thing where we could be sitting in the same virtual room and and then what's nice is you can kind of see my facial expressions right you know and the way i move my head and my hands when i talk because i'm a very like active talker with my hands
1: right
0: um i could then like you know we're talking about that ice cream i made i could just well let me show you how i did that and i could just make it and i give you you know this is really early days but we're, we're we're seeing kind of like a new social meeting space form and i i think for me that's that's really exciting
1: for sure no that's very cool so I want to get back into um light sale a, a little bit more. I know you kind of talked about it a, like throughout the show a little bit, but do you maybe want to give us some other examples of types of projects that you've built in the past just to give people a really good idea of the stuff that's possible in VR and the stuff that you guys have done?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so our biggest hit I think is probably spe uh is um Paranormal Activity. It was actually the first big thing we did. It had like 10 million views on like YouTube. And, you know, it was one of the first horror projects that had like real people in it. So you can see them being scared, which would make you scared, you know. Um, But one of the things that we've really tried to do is we've also tried to use VR for good. And we've tried to, you know, use VR to build empathy um and show people a world that's going to be outside themselves and one of the pieces i'm most proud of is a piece we did with google called um immerse and it's a study about racial identity and we follow two people um as they talk about their racial identity journey um and we kind of step into their lives and their shoes and we start to feel a little bit like we know them and that was really important for me is because i think especially today where I feel like the media and our, our 24 hour news cycle and, you know, not to get too political, but I feel like a lot of people talk past each other, you know, and um, I just really wish we could all talk more with each other. And sometimes I think if we can understand where someone else is coming from, it makes it a little easier. Right.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. So,
0: yeah. So I think virtual reality has a real power to do that. And we've done, we've done that piece about racial identity. We did another piece for a nonprofit in the Bay area Um, trying to showcase how prison inmates, you know, are trying to be reformed through a different process of like getting to know their victims rather than keeping it very separate. So finding that healing by having these like victim offender dialogues. And, uh, we made an interactive video experience where you can choose, you know, how you interact with the prison inmate and depending on whether or not you are more empathetic in your questions or less empathetic you get different responses, you know, and it tracks like whether or not he was able to change your mind during the course of the experience, which is, is pretty exciting.
1: No, interesting. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. And, yes, and, yeah. Go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no sorry.
1: No, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to just say, I think that's the stuff that people don't hear about as much, right? When they think VR, they just think that like, oh, I'm just in this virtual world, I walk around, and that was cool, but, like, I'll never go back to it, right? But, like, VR to me and obviously to you is so much more than that. And, again, going back to kind of your earliest point was, like, it's just a medium, right? And it's a way to get content out Mm -hmm. there. And I think we're at kind of the beginning uh, of where this whole medium can go, right? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing annoys me. My biggest pet peeve in VR is when people are like, oh, that's not VR. It's like, I feel like it's way too early to put labels on stuff. Especially because, like, you know, to me, you know, VR is anything you watch in a headset. You sure. know, it's just a delivery mechanism, right? Like, so, you know, everything can be VR. Now, whether it's good, that's a totally different conversation. But just we're defining, you know, the medium right now. We're defining what makes it unique and special. And projects like the one we did for, with the prison inmate are really unique and special because they can only exist in virtual reality because they combine that live action video with that user input to custom tailor an experience for you that feels like you're sitting in the room with him having a conversation. And that's, that's transportive, you know, that, that's bringing you in there. So,
1: Yeah, and I, I think too... Yeah when you can give somebody an experience that unless they actually have physically experienced that experience in the real world, they probably will never get to experience that. Right. Like if you've never been to prison, it's really hard to understand what it's like. Right. And from probably an inmate side Mm -hmm. of things. Right. But if you can experience that in VR, sure. It's maybe not exactly like going to prison, but like, You have a deeper understanding of where that person's coming from, good, bad, or other, right? And I think just getting people to think and having the ability to get people to think about different situations and scenarios that aren't, that don't normally happen to them in their day to day life, is actually a really, really interesting thing that VR kind of solves or can solve.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think most people wake up in the morning and they're like, I'm going to be a jerk today. You know, I think most sure. people don't want to be jerks. They want to, you know, they have values that are important to them. And sometimes they need to communicate those values. Right. But if we could, you know, show people where those intentions are coming from, then maybe we can actually make some progress as a as a human race here. You know,
1: no, I 100 percent agree with you. The, the other thing that I found interesting that you guys have done is your, like, closet tours of, of people's, like, closets at their house, right? And sure, oh, yeah. usually, like, celebrities or, or somebody that's well-known, like, nobody would care about my closet, for example. But I, I think right. just being able to showcase certain kind of personal aspects of your life and, and post it online, obviously, you could take a photo of your closet and whatnot, but kind of... How you guys did it where she's kind of walking people through and obviously I can move around her closet is kind of a cool interactive experience that I think if you're passionate about that celebrity or that person or, or whatever and they can kind of walk you through something like that, that's a cool experience for fans in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so that was part of the work we've been doing with Condé Nast. And we did a bunch of work with Refinery29 and they wanted to play around in the VR180 space, which is like half the sphere. Right. You know, and it's really designed for the YouTube audience. Right. Um, and I think that the, the YouTube audience, um, they're watching mainly on their phones, not necessarily in the headset. But, you know, YouTube fans are, are really powerful fans and they, they really love the content. They love their shows. And um, and I think fandom is just something that's become very much a part of our society right now. And I think it's very cool to take like Ashley Tisdale, for example, who has a great fan following, and and it's a chance for her to connect with her fans in a more personal way, right? Totally. Because you know the depth of the 3D makes you feel like you're more there. You can actually look around her closet, you know, um, and and it's a great use case for bringing someone a little closer to people. And I think VR 180, I always like to say is the medium of people, whereas VR 360 is more like the medium of a location. Uh, okay. Because I think 180 it's all about who you're with because sure. you can't look around 360 degrees because yeah. behind you is just black, right? right? But, you know, if I'm, you know, standing in front of Ashley Tisdale, I'm probably not facing away from her, right? So sure. You know, I'm probably having a conversation with her and interested in what she wants to say. And that's kind of what we've tried to do with those VR180 series, uh, You know, trying to see if this can be like a viable medium for digital content makers in order to increase engagement with their fans. And I think we've had varying levels of success there, um, but I do think that the people who do like it really like it.
1: No, that's fair. The, the other thing that I think a lot of people um, forget about sometimes is obviously this is a very bad generalization, but there's a lot of like younger people that really find YouTube celebrities, like more, or idolize YouTube celebrities, for example, more than just like a traditional Hollywood actor or actress right and i'm not saying one's better than the other i don't really want to have that debate but i think giving people that are kind of just say like internet-based celebrities again not saying one's better than the other it's just they're trying to find unique and new ways to engage with their audience online right where Mm -hmm. obviously somebody that's like a big movie star like will smith for example like most people know who he is, and there's a hand, There's a million other people like that that people know of, but like some generations don't, maybe don't know who he is, right? Like it, so it's it's kind of an interesting place, and and based on kind of who you are as a person, if you're a celebrity or not, trying to figure out new ways to engage in the mediums that people are viewing you and your content. Do you know what I'm trying to get at there?
0: No, absolutely, and you know what? Like we've had conversations with channels and folks at youtube and you know they were like you know what really would push this needle forward for us would be a a youtube star not like you know johnny Depp or anybody you know like some of the stuff that we've done that we thought was huge was actually not as well received as some of the stuff we've done with you know more influencer style talent and i was you know coming from the film world that was a little shocking to me but you know when i think about it it actually makes complete sense like you know most, and I think it's the state of media today, right? You know, most younger people, they come home from school, right. And they turn on YouTube and, or, you know, to them, a YouTube video is the same as an Instagram post, is the same as a blockbuster movie. Yeah. You know, it's all just the same to them, but one is very cheap to get. And one is like, you know, $14 at the Megaplex, you know, and that's, I think that's going to be uh, a situation, you know, coming up pretty soon. So,
1: yeah and the the
0: time is changing
1: no it's interesting right just to see kind of how people consume content and it's always funny to me i'm 36 just so you have some context like if i go to a Mm -hmm. concert where um sometimes there's like the age range is all over the map and there's like a young person i remember a while ago um sitting in front of me they had to be at least 10, 15 plus years younger than me, like maybe just 18 and the legal drinking age in, in Canada, at least where I live is 18, just so like they can go to the bar and mm-hmm. see a concert. And they had, I've never seen a person use a phone so fast to consume content. It was just like, they just knew where to push on the screen based on like what app and social media apps. And they were watching videos and sending posts and texting. And it's like just watching them consume and interact with content so fast where like I've been in technology my whole life and I can't interact with anything that quickly. Right. And it's just interesting to watch somebody use the same technology that you use every day and how they use it so similar and so different from you at the same time. So I think just getting people to think about the different age ranges or how popular or how understanding you are of technology or aren't of technology right and just trying to Mm -hmm. view technology from different kind of lenses and and different people actually can make your experiences that you're creating no matter the medium a lot better right
0: yeah and you know um, I think you've just touched on something very very important here it's like I'm 35, right? So I I I feel you, and (laughs) and I'm majorly into technology. Like I'm a techno whiz kid here and trying to do crazy stuff. But like, you know, my cousin who's like 15 is like, she's editing videos every day because she's like Snapchatting. You know, and she's creating her stories and she's doing all this stuff. What I think is going to be the real tipping point for virtual reality is a lot of the training work we're doing. And a lot of the um, employees who will be taking an Oculus or a HTC headset home for work purposes, doing their required training and whatever it is, and then it sits there.
1: Right. And then
0: their their sons or daughters are going to pick it up, just the way I picked up a computer when my dad brought it home when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, they're going to pick it up and go, well, "What else can I do with this thing? You know, besides play games? Oh, maybe I can draw or sculpt or program or." you know how can i how can i hack this you know and how can i innovate on it and i think you know that's why i'm not concerned at all about like vr um you know in the marketplaces i know it's getting out there with all this training stuff you know walmart 17000 headsets you know wow. we just did something where the company purchased 800 headsets and every employee is taking that headset home okay, and those kids are going to get into it yeah and that's going to be their medium they're going to be the ones in social VR and drawing and making content and exploring in this space. Um, And I think the best is definitely yet to come because they're going to add a major voice to it.
1: No, I I think that's actually really good advice. The other thing that I kind of want your thoughts on is actually inspiring people to get into some of this stuff because let's be honest, like VR, you could argue has been around for a number of years, maybe even a couple of decades. If you if you go back, um, you know, but the current version or iteration of VR that we're in is really only mm-hmm. you could maybe argue five years old, maybe less, maybe a little bit more. But if if you haven't started in VR and you really want to start in VR, you could probably start actually doing some pretty cool stuff within weeks, months or maybe a year, like it doesn't really take you that long to get into some of this new stuff anymore. And it's not as daunting as I think some people make it out to be. There's a ton of free content online on YouTube that you can learn how to um, build your own VR experiences, right? Like, do you agree? Or like, how do? You, what do you say to people that are looking to get into the space?
0: I'll I'll tell you, like I was trained in film and I've always been a technical kind of person with computers. But sure. Everything I've learned how to do in VR, I have learned from YouTube. Interesting. Like there is a wealth of knowledge out there from very smart and generous folks. And if you're willing to put in the time to experiment yourself and check it out and try and fail, you can can learn to just do just about anything. You know, like I've learned how to do stereoscopic video and visual effects. And I've taught myself unity over the last two years. Um, which unlocks in a completely total rabbit hole of possibilities. Cause once you start going into a game engine, you can literally do anything you want. Like it's incredible. Yeah. And well, there's and I, ga- I think that, sorry, you know, sorry to cut you off. Just, I sorry, wanted to, yeah. uh,
1: on the unity side of things, like entire video games are built in unity, like Nintendo's yeah. stuff that's, that's built for like iOS and Android is built in unity. Like that Mario, oh, the name escapes be super Mario World or whatever it was called a number of years ago. Yeah. And like I think Mario Kart is coming out right away. It's built in in uh, Unity, and like games make it to the Xbox and um, PlayStation, oh, yeah. and like that are built in Unity. So you can basically build anything in Unity now, and, and across a bunch of mediums, including VR. Sorry, I just wanted to caveat that. Yeah. And you're right. There's like hundreds of free hours of Unity training online as well. Right. It's the most
0: powerful thing. And If I were to tell anybody who's younger who wants to be a creative person uh, what the most valuable skill is, I would say learn a game engine.
1: Interesting. Because
0: everything's going that way. Feature films are being prevised and sometimes finished in a game engine. You know, Um, so you can use for narrative linear content, VR applications, whether it's a game or whether it's some of the interactive cinema that we've been working on. All done in a game engine. Um, it, is, it is a way that people can create without limitation. Um, and I think that that is like the most empowering thing that's happened right now. I'm calling it the game engine revolution right now because it is so accessible. And these game engines, by the way, Unity and Unreal are 100% free sure. to yeah. use. That's actually once you really start good making point. money, they take a cut, but they are one hundred percent free they're not hobbled, they're not like you know shareware or whatever like they don't have any limitations at all. Everything is there for you to play around with, and that is super exciting, and, and I think it, that's part of the maker v r revolution here is people this generation of VR enthusiasts have been able to push the boundaries because these tools are finally so accessible
1: yeah that's I was gonna add that I'm glad you you added that because that's the thing like when when you're starting out or you've been doing something for decades you're using the exact same tools right where not that Mm -hmm. long ago you had to basically get really expensive software on really expensive hardware and nowadays you 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 need an a decent computer to run some of this stuff but like you don't need to spend ten thousand dollars you probably don't even need to spend a couple grand. You can probably get away with, you know, like a decent computer, right? If you're if you're gaming I think there's
0: already a, a VR capable computer, like six or seven hundred dollars yeah, for a there laptop. You
1: there you go. Right? And like, if usually if cheap. you're gaming and you're looking to build games, you probably have a good gaming machine already. So <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you probably have something I mean that's everything in our office are just gaming computers.
1: Interesting. You know?
0: No very um, cool.
1: So we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but do you have any other thoughts or things that we didn't touch on that you would, you would like to cover or any kind of other advice to give people listening?
0: You know, um, you we know, kind of talked real briefly earlier about how I'm like the world's biggest VR evangelist, you know? All right. Um, and I really am. Like, I really think it's a powerful medium, and I really think that the people who are in it are, are passionate about it, and that's what draws me to it. You know, um, where it's going, you know, I've seen a lot of VR experiences that I don't like, and I've seen a lot of things that I think aren't very good. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think people are exploring and playing and, and, and working it out. But, you know, for light sale, our whole mission here is about that human experience and that, that, that taking our audiences on a journey with us. Right. Sure. And I think, I, I think more companies and I think more people want that. And I'm excited because it allows us to really play in this space. So, you know, for us, I think the future is fairly bright. And I think, um, I think VR is going to be around for a really long time.
1: I 100% agree with you. Um, but we're, we're kind of at the end. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys and any other links you want to mention? Sure. Um,
0: to check out all of our work and to, to say hello, you can visit our website at um, lightsailvr.com. It's light like a light bulb and sail like the sailboat um, in VR for virtual reality. Uh, you can definitely shoot me an email. find me on um, Twitter at, Matt Celia, or at Matthew Celia. Um I'm a super collaborative person, and I really hope that uh, you know anybody listening who wants to get into VR, you know, feel free to shoot me an email. I think that uh, everyone deserves to have a creative voice, and I've done a lot of work in trying to help people bring this medium up. You know, rising tide lifts all ships, so let's collab.
1: Perfect, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Have a good rest of your day, man.
0: Cool. Thanks so much. Appreciate
1: Thank it. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye